0: Hello and welcome to Catholic Parents Online, a podcast where we share tips and resources on Catholic parenting. This is brought to you by the Theology of the Body parenting team of the Apostolate for Catholic Truth. Presented with the lens of the Theology of the Body, we will see how we can be sincere gifts of ourselves to our kids, in ways that will help them find true happiness and flourish in accordance with God's wonderful plan for each and every one of them. My name is John Hui and I'm your host for this podcast. Today, we continue with the second part of our series, where we interview Mr. Brian Shen, a much sought-after speaker and counsellor. Brian is a professional counsellor and supervisor registered with the Singapore Association for Counselling. He has much experience in working with clients, including, of course, parents. He is also a member of the International Federation for Therapeutic Counselling and Choice. Today, he will be sharing with us about the state of parents. In a way, it is about the baggages that we ourselves might carry into our parenthood, subconsciously or otherwise, and how this might have a negative effect on how we can be a sincere godly gift to our own kids. He will also discuss with us how we can seek to recognise these baggages that we carry, and how perhaps we can overcome them for the sake of our kids. Hello Brian, and welcome once again to this podcast. Thank you, John. Um, yeah,
1: this subject on uh, the state of the parents um, would, I think, in Asian societies would be a kind of a touchy issue, because in most Asian societies, not just Asian, I'm quite sure, also in uh, many countries in Africa, in America, Latin America where a lot of deference is given to parents. And in Asian cultures, for example, in Chinese culture where filial piety and adds on to the deference to parents. So it is just assumed that parents are always right. Parents are always knowing what is the best for their children and therefore There's a very strong deference to let parents decide even if parents are using very harsh methods on their children. Uh, I'm sure all of you are very well aware uh, of these cultures and uh, these things that are happening in many of the cultures. However, I do want to also add on that certain families do have traits which passes down from generation to generation. So that's number one. Number two, there are many, many changes that is currently happening in many cultures with the advent of the internet and more access to education, more access to the mass media, and therefore you see more examples of what other parents, other families are having, achieving, and therefore the sense of being left behind. Um, there's also this possibility of being compared with, or rather you compare yourself with other families. And that can all add on to the sense of, I am not doing as well as other families are, I'm you know, not keeping up with the Joneses. Now that all can add up to a very unhealthy environment for your children without you realizing it. Now what do I mean by not realizing it? Let me give you an example of some cases that I know of. This is a mother who came to me about her daughter and I wanted to find out some of the background. And Her husband has got parents who are always fighting. Her husband is a no-nonsense type of person and he was rewarded by being very doing very well in his company for being no-nonsense his siblings two of them, one of them has left the marriage and became lesbian, another one same and she's transitioning. Now you can see that the poor role modeling of his parents has impacted his siblings, and in a way it's impacted him by how he feels marriage should be. On her part, her, mar- her parents also were divorced, and she was raised by her grandmother who also didn't have a good marriage, and for her, her sense of being who she is was to perform well in school she did very well in sports, she did very well um, and she came across this man who is the no-nonsense guy but uh, they sort of like fit each other in being high-performing and that obviously passes down to the children and the daughter who is now lesbian has a great fear of not meeting up to standards and she doesn't feel that anything is wrong with that because her parents are role model of high standards. So when the daughter finally came out and the mother was in shock, she says, what did we do wrong? Well, nothing intentionally wrong obviously, nothing that is uh, bad per se because society rewards you for the hard work that you put in. But I think we should relook, especially in today's society where high performance, doing well in careers are rewarded, and that's what you want your children to have with increasing competi- compet- competition in schools. You may push your children to be something other than themselves out of your own desire for what is best for them. Now, in the last podcast when I was speaking about affirmation, and affirmation is feeling fine, feeling good, even though I am not the smartest kid, I'm not the fastest, I'm not the most talented, I'm just an ordinary person. Now, it should go even further than that. If my child is born with cerebral palsy and he is or she is totally dependent on other people for the rest of his life or her life, he or she should still feel affirmed that she or he is valued even though she can never ever perform as well as others. That should be the basic right for all children regardless of whether they are normal or not as talented as other people. Now it's very very crucial to be able to see if you have that traits, if you have those um, you know tendencies, but it is coming from your generation before you and it's passing down because the good that you did not know you did not have is what you cannot pass to your children. And the not so good that you did not know is not so good but you didn't know it was not good because you grew up with that. That is what you're going to pass on to your children. And that comes back to the question or the topic that we spoke about in the last podcast and that is the role of marriage preparation. I think marriage preparation can do much better by taking a look at the family tree, the character of the generations before you, the traits of your family running down the generations, and how that can impact the next generation. I think that will be so helpful to start a marriage, in fact not just a marriage, even before a relationship starts. Again, as I did mention in the last podcast, if a girl is coming from a family background where there's not much affirmation, unless she performs well. She is going to be emotionally vulnerable to someone who can con her when that person knows her emotional weaknesses. Um, I hope that frightens parents to uh, take this topic and take this issue seriously. Um, So it should really start as early as possible and definitely in marriage preparation courses. Now, I have to also say that once you understand how important knowing your own background, your own character, the history of how your character is built up and how important that is, you will automatically see that children who miss out on things that are good for them or you know, grow up with things that are not good for them but they're not aware of it, um, they are going to have problems with their children because, like I said, the good that they didn't know they did, that they did not have is what they can't pass on, and the bad that they didn't know was bad but they had it, and that's what they're going to pass on. Um, <clears throat> so, I think it's going to be very important for parents to Uh, be open to take a look at their histories, at their parents' histories, and if they can remember even up to their grandparents' histories. Now again, I do know of situations in which some people says, that's their generation, I don't want to know them, I just want to forget about them. Well, unfortunately it still has an impact on you, even though you don't want to remember about it. It still has an impact. Um, There are some psychological um, principles which can be useful. Now if you remember uh, last week when I spoke about the human brain having three parts. The first part is the basic brain, the second part is the mammalian brain, and the third part is the human thinking brain. the mammalian brain, which is dealing with emotions and uh, relationships, can override the thinking brain. So when you're angry, when you're frustrated, when you're scared, it can override what you know is right or wrong. Now, here's another unfortunate uh, common occurrence I've seen in, in parents and that is um, when they get angry, they use anger to get their message across. And that has become the dominant rule. When I say dominant, it doesn't have to be, you know, every day you, you emphasize that when I get angry, I get what I want. No, it can be as, as, as infrequent as maybe once or twice a year, uh, or infrequent as, you know, maybe a few times um, in, in the last few years. But the final word is, when I get angry, I get what I want. If that rules, that will pass on to your children. Let me give you an example of a case that I uh, have, or at least know about. And that is this young man is in trouble because of the state of his parents. Now, his father has a really, really bad temper, but it's not often. Um, The father runs a family business, and this young man has come back and has decided to take over the family business. But the father still wants things to be done his way, even though this young man, using his own way, he has turned around the fortunes of this family business. Now, the father gets his way by getting angry, and therefore the son has got to follow what the father wants him to do. So he's trying to do this tight balance between um, what he thinks is best, and what he is doing is really is the thing that's turning around the fortunes of this company. But the father still wants certain things to be done his way. And you can, you can imagine this young man is extremely frustrated. But he keeps it all to himself. Why? Because anger wins. Now, anger comes from the mammalian brain. And mammals maintain maintain structure by using aggression and dependency. I I say again. Mammals maintain structure by using aggression and dependency. You depend on me, then my aggression will put you in line. So that's below the human brain, below the consciousness. So this young man who grew up in such an atmosphere, with all that frustration, he does explode, but he knows that's not right. Unfortunately, when he goes out with his friends to drink in order to unwind, and when he gets drunk, that part of him, that mammalian part of him now acts up so when he's taking the taxi back home he has beaten up the taxi drivers there have been two cases against him now and he cannot remember that he has beaten up the taxi driver that's very sad okay so there's a police case on him and he just doesn't know what to do And this is just an example of when I get angry, I get the last word. If that runs through the family you can cause pretty serious problems in your children. Now, I would say to all families, okay, there is an age group and that is before five years old, yes. Okay, Um, you know, rather not that you get angry but rather your authority. Authority is the one that is more important rather than anger. But beyond that, you should have a rule in which anyone who loses his temper will not be listened to, will not be attended to. You have to cool down first and then we listen to what what your issues is and let's think about how we can help you solve your problem. Everybody in the family should agree to that because, yeah, it will still happen. Somebody is going to lose his cool. Somebody is going to you know, lose their emotions. We hold everything. We don't make any decisions until you cool down, until you calm down. And let's come together and let's think. Let's how do we solve this problem. Do not let anger or emotions rule. Now, as you can imagine, if that has been running through the generations, it's going to continue to run through the next generation. So these are just some uh, case studies, case examples to tell you that how important it is um, to have a check, you know, speak to somebody who is a family therapist, uh, look at your history, your parents' history, your grandparents, you can see the trend, and um, we can also do some personality profiling to know what are the things, what are your traits in yourself and your wife, and that can help your children a lot. So that's all I have for today and I, I hope that
0: uh, will give you some things to think about. Thank you very much, Brian, for your very enlightening take on the state of parents today that can have an impact on the parents of tomorrow. It is certainly true that the state of parents today is n- not easy. Besides the so-called baggages that many of us carry over from our parents, the new challenges that we face today, as you rightly mentioned, include the mass media and the use of social media. I just wonder, do you think that in your opinion, the state of parents today is in a sense worse, a lot worse than say 20, 30, or 50 years ago or more?
1: Um, Yeah, fortunately, uh... Yeah, I I was around 50 years ago. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: And yes, I would say, um, you know, 50 years ago, I remember, you know, walking through kampongs, you know, the, the, the villages. And I remember seeing people sitting by the veranda and they were very happy with very little. That's very hard to find these days. And I think in the modern times where there's such a huge influence coming from the mass media, and this is something I would like to mention also, uh, when advertisement is given its free reign, and you can see that even in Christmas, you know, where... Uh, There's lots of Christmas jingles and advertisements. But if you look at it carefully, what are these Christmas uh, advertisements during Christmas really saying? It says, if you are rich, then you can give love better than others. That's what it's saying. If you have money, then you will have a better Christmas. Well, although they don't say it uh, explicitly, but, well, that's what commercialization of Christmas does. Okay. And, yeah, you know, uh, advertising does bring in a lot of uh, revenue for the media that is, uh, you know, purveying these advertisements. And, yes, that does have a strong impact. I think there is not enough of the bringing up of the simpler things in life that is more important than having material, uh, visual indications of success, of having cars. You know, I, I remembered uh, just after the 50 years ago, and then shortly after that came this five C's privacy and nobody hears about that anymore but there was a time where oh you are making it when you have the uh, car, career, condominium cash and what credit card <laughs> and also there's a shift away from the simpler things in life into the material and, and now it's a lot more, it's about uh, uh, having everything and having the experience and um, having many things that you can find and uh, money you can buy. Now fifty years ago, there are more than enough well there, there are a lot of signs and symptoms of people who are happy with what little they have. Um, I remember my grandmother um, when she should live until 90 years old. And, you know, Towards her older age, because she looks after so many children, whenever she has a birthday, all the children that she looked after would come. So it would be a huge uh, dinner for her birthday. But she's very, very, you know, kind of a stubborn about what she likes. And what she liked was rice, mango, black sauce and chili. So, you know, we can have up to 20, 30 tables and everybody here is having a 10 course dinner and she'll be in the wheelchair and she has the rice, mango, you know, black sauce and chili. That's what I want for my birthday. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's really an amazing generation. <laughs> okay. and. Uh, there are some old folks today, they're really old, you know, they're in their 80s, and they can recall those days where things that uh, they're really happy about. Now, that is where I think the church does have its role. The church, the Catholic church, has a long, long history of ascetism, monasticism, and the great value of Living the simple life. And how much you would be freeing yourself from when you're not chasing after money, when you're not chasing after, uh, you know, catching up with the Jones. Um, and obviously, there's a lot of, you know, there's a saying, it takes a village to raise a child. Well, yeah, it also takes a village to influence a child. And I think the village of Singapore that's changed quite substantially from 50 years ago, All, right? All the unwritten messages um, needs to be counted really with the message of simplicity and um, what really constitutes a, a, a life that is more fulfilling than what money can buy. So yes, to answer your question, yes, I think there's a lot of difference from what things were 50 years ago. Um, and I think as a church, we can bring back some of the more important messages that is so pertinent today for our parents as well as our next generation.
0: Yes, I fully agree with you that uh, materialism is a big problem that we are facing today. In fact, this is one of the three big issues that our own archbishop is very concerned about, as big challenges that our church. Is facing today, the others being secularism and relativism. In your opinion, in what way do you think these? Um, let's talk about secularism, right? Would have an impact on the state of parents and parenting today.
1: Secularism totally ignores the world of the spirit. Totally ignores that, and that's where things can get really dangerous. And the spirit world, if you look at the Bible, is not unreal. It's there. Jesus always heals in two aspects. One is the physical and one is the spirit. It's always in two aspects. And therefore, the spiritual life, and when I say spiritual life, meaning the practice of the sacraments, uh, getting involved in uh, the 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 life of the church, the liturgies, all has its role in keeping us safe spiritually. So coming back to this question that you have with increasing secularism, yes, it will have a negative impact when more and more of people are getting more secularized or even Practicing their religion in a secularized way. uh, Yeah, that reduces their protectiveness. Now, everything that the Catholic Church has taught throughout the ages remains valid. Um, Psychology is only catching up with what the Bible already says. Um, psychology gives more evidences, um, but the church, through people who have been, um, you know, discerning over the ages and giving some guidelines. <clears throat> oh, I can't remember the term. Um, I can't remember, I'll, I'll say it. Well, inspired writings, inspired um, discernments. So, and it, that ethics time, it takes time for this to be revealed, um, and it has the Church, the Catholic Church, has the Magisterium. Lots of these have got good guidance, guidelines, and um, they would not reduce the value of any of them. So, yes, yeah, secularism is not going to be helpful, and I would uh, strongly recommend that all listeners to maintain your practice of the faith.
0: Yes, yeah, isn't it true that? it is so important that we should follow the teachings and practices of the church. Not, not as a matter of superstition, right? Not as a matter of superstition, but really as a matter of receiving all the life of Christ in and through his church that he has founded through the sacraments, the word, and prayer. Now, moving on, I was just thinking. Many parents who carry baggages from their past into their families may not be fully aware that they are doing so, that is, carrying these baggages. I wonder how easy it would be for us to just ask them to seek help. I have a suspicion many do not even sense that they have a problem. Maybe they think that the others have a problem, or we are the problem, and possibly even the therapist is a problem. So I guess my question will be this, you know, um, is there any way in which we can help parents, parents parents-to-be, or better still spouses to be? To be aware of these potential risk factors that they might carry into their marriages and families in the future?
1: Well, yeah, I think it's a very, very important
0: uh, issue that you have
1: raised up. One way is to have educational talks, like this series of podcasts that you're having, I think that's great because can raise the awareness of the parents themselves and said, oh, maybe I should get myself, maybe I should speak to someone and, and get myself educated about my family background. Maybe. So that's one way. Now, the other way is the children themselves, who may be adults now, and then they recognize the dysfunction in their parents, and these adult children now say, what can I do to not pass it down to my children? I think that is very, very useful. And I have helped some uh, parents who, uh, what you know, they call themselves the sandwich generation. You know, They have their parents up there and then they have the children down there. And they can see, yeah, you know, my, my mother, my father, you know, he is just, you just can't change him. But I don't want to be like him on my own So yes, that, that is uh, a very good um, a start, a good motivational start. Now let me just re- uh, say something about uh, what, what's happening in Thailand or in the Buddhist culture. They have this word called which means to cut the bad faith. You don't allow the bad faith from coming down during the generation. And in their way, what you do is you, you give merit. You, you, sorry, you do merit. So meaning you put gold onto the figurine of the Buddha, or you do good works, you, you give donations, and that is to build up your merit, and hopefully that will stop the bad fate from coming down to your next generation. Well, I have done some work in these cultures, And I have seen someone in front of me, uh, maybe a young adult, you know, and perfectly fine person, wonderful person. And when I asked about his or her parents, terrible, terrible histories, incredible fighting in that generation and in the the, uh, grandparents even. And that's probably the reason why they changed religion into Christianity. So depending on whatever religion they come from. And here's the thing that I find. Now, there are not very many. I have about um, maybe five or six cases that I've I've seen a person in front of me very well fine, but not well at all at the Paris generation. So what is it that stops the bad faith from coming down to this person right in front of me? And that is the parents themselves wanting to correct and wanting to protect themselves. And very often I find their parents to be very prayerful. They come into the Catholic religion, they are members of Legion of Mary, they are you know going for daily mass, daily sacraments, and praying all the time for the children. Now the children will say. Yeah, my mother, my father still once in a while explodes, but I'm okay with that because I know they're trying very hard not to be like my grandparents. I know they're trying very hard not to be like my aunties and uncles who are still fighting with each other. So the real cutting of the bad faith really is these prayers and this petition and asking God to help you. It may not stop with you, but it may stop with your children. And these are some of the, the real cases that I've seen. Now, of course, if a parent comes to me and you know they are so distraught about what their children are have turned out to be, you know, the children can be rebels or the children have left the children, the children have whatever. Now, what I'll do is I'll go through uh, a thorough background history of, of that parent itself. Now, if there's anything that can be dealt with from the psychological and the side, we'll do that. Very often, there's a combination of spiritual neglect going along the lines with uh, some of these family dysfunction that they grew up with. So what I'll do is I'll guide them together with the background history to do a tarot confession. Now what's a tarot? It's, you know, a tarot confession, where you go through uh, very, very thoroughly all the things. So, so people that you've been very angry with people that you did not forgive people that you are uh, so much in pain because of what they've done to you. So part of the, the counseling is to help you to understand um, you know, what has happened to you, and, and, and as well as to forgive yourself you know, and, and stop beating up yourself and all that. Uh, I, I do have a few Catholic priests who are quite well familiar with what I'm doing, and I will explain to them that I'll send you some of my clients who will do a very thorough confession. So these confessions would last a little longer. they would be very, very detailed. Now, when a client is, is helped to prepare a very thorough confession, usually after the confession, they feel a huge weight off their shoulders. They feel a lot lighter. Often, they are able to see things more clear, more clearly. Often, they are able to sense things more clearly. Sometimes they will say, you know, before this tarot confession, I did not see that I have this issue in my life, but now I can see. Now I want to deal with it. I said, Great. Now see better. Um, I have parents who say, I'm now filled with so much love for my child. I don't know why before this tarot confession I did it. So somehow there is a double action. One from the spiritual side and the other side is from uh, the background. And again, priests who are trained in this area of deliverance, they can tell you that some of these spirits, the spirit of frustration, the spirit of anger, the spirit of unforgiveness, can literally block you from being able to see things. And that is why when parents come and they want to do some work and we can guide them in this way you know, going through a very very thorough background history sometimes things they can't remember but as we go along and as they make progress, they've themselves to be able to uh, forgive and as well as to be able to know where the the responsibility lies they get clearer, they get stronger and sometimes more and more Long suppressed, long forgotten memory starts to come up, and these again can be dealt with. And when they are dealt with, the person gets better, more stable, um, far more stable and, 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 and confident in a quiet and peaceful way. And that usually has very positive effect on the whole family. So, yeah, these instances they do happen uh, it's possible and I would recommend you know anyone who think that they should go through this and and get a check well it's the same as going to a doctor and uh, doc I want to check you know am I fine am I okay you know uh, I'll tell you my family history okay this is what my father has my grandfather has this is what my mother's side has and you go through the whole procedure. Same thing. So, uh, yes, I would strongly recommend people, you know, take the opportunity to find out about your background history uh, because when you are healthy psychologically and spiritually as well as physically, your whole family is going to feel so much better.
0: It sounds as though it will be very useful for spouses to be, to be made aware of these possible risk factors. So, that they who are closest to these individuals can, if necessary, encourage them to seek help. Perhaps seek help together, right? Even before getting married?
1: Yes, I I strongly recommend that. I would say, um, I would strongly suggest all religions to consider putting this as part of their marriage preparation. Again, in the medical field, you know, we should actually check, you know, whether there's any genetic or uh, predispositions before marriage, right? Because you obviously don't want to pass down something. Or if you do, you, you want your spouse to be fully aware of some of the medical uh, things that can be passed down through hereditary uh, channels. Now, it's the same also for the psychological. The same, uh, as well as the spiritual, it's the same. So, yes, if two people i love and they do want to get married, yeah, I think it's it's highly recommended that they do a very great tarot inventory check for the background and help each other to see, okay,
0: shall we get all these things done, and if necessary, postpone the marriage. I would fully agree with you, Brian. I myself have seen difficult relationships in the past arising from such emotional baggages among couples, and then their relationships subsequently breaking down soon after they've gotten married. So yes, I fully agree with you that these issues should be proactively tackled as early as possible, ideally way, way even before marriage takes place. Okay, can I ask you one last question? You did mention earlier on that some individuals have in a subconscious way learned from their own parents that in order to have issues settled their way, they have to express anger. And I think that is something I would certainly agree with. At the same time, I can share with you that as a parent, there are times when I would have felt anger with certain things that I see happen and also with certain behavioural patterns that I might have seen as well. In your opinion, are there instances where such anger can be correctly expressed, justified anger so to speak, and if so, how?
1: Well, let me backtrack a little bit. Most of these expressions of anger don't happen. Um, Like, you know, okay, and you know, I am going to be angry at this moment. I am going, no, it just, it just happens. Because why? The emotional brain overrides the thinking brain. Okay. So a lot of it is, um, you know, quite instinctive almost. The problem is when it is allowed to be expressed again and again and again and again. Then what happens is that the neural connections in the brain now gets more easily triggered. And that's where problems are going to happen. All right. So to answer your question, is there a time where anger um, has its role? Well, again, the answer is yes, but it has to be connected with survival. So, again, let's go down, for example, when your family is trapped with danger coming from maybe a gang of, of rowdy gangsters, okay, and your family's life is at stake. Well, in those cases, you know, sometimes trying to reason out with these rowdy people may not work and it comes to a point where your family gets really, really in danger, um, you know, yeah, some of your anger has got to come up and, and in order to protect your, your children. But as you know, that's quite rare. Now, for that's one case. Now, for children, sometimes, uh, especially young children below the age of five, the age, the, the reasoning is not. And sometimes in order to protect them, for example, if a child wants to run across the street, okay, and, and he's not listening, it's, it's really, you know, emotionally going wild and, you know, wants to have his or her way and he wants to run across the street. And there's really no time. And yes, you, that those are some of these very dire situations. You, you, to really come in very strong, your authority, however, should be the one that is verified. So I would put always the authority in front and the anger behind, so that whenever you show your authority, they know that if you cross my authority, the anger is going to come in. Okay, but that's that's at a very young age now. Shortly after that, when the child is able to reason, then how they connect this anger to um, the logic and the the reasoning. So the anger that you show has to be pedagogical, meaning it has to have a sound reason behind it, which the child at that age is still unable to understand. But as the child gets older, is now able to understand why that anger was there because there's a pedagogical reason underneath. So to answer your question, yes, there is times, but it should not be triggered by habit. It should not be triggered by the role models that you have seen that works in your previous generation and therefore I can use it. So that's the thing. And I think some parents who are listening to this podcast, you might want to reflect, you know, am I getting my way to just getting angry? And is that useful for family? And the answer is no. Then some work needs to be done. Okay. Because once the neural networks have already been set and you are easily triggered, it takes quite a lot of work to undo those neural networks. It's going to take a long time, but you understand, if you realize it and you want to work on it, then any amount of effort and time required to solve this problem
0: will be worth the time and effort. Okay. From what I gather, if I'm hearing you correctly, Brian, it is anger that is seen as being shown out of love as a reasoned action, so to speak, rather than as a mere emotional reaction. I'm reacting to, and that is leading me to act it out on my kids in a negative way. Would you say that I heard you correctly?
1: Um, I have to add that it is also age appropriate. Mm. has to be age appropriate. So yes. it's, yes, yeah. what you just said is appropriate for children five and below. But when children are able to reason, what you just said is not always the best. Okay, now I do know that a lot of parents, um, and as well as witnesses of what parents are doing, they would say, ah, it's okay every once in a while, you know, you get angry with what your children are doing, or that's what our parents go through. But when a child is able to reason, however, your anger now comes in, what happens is that you override your child's ability to reason with fear, and that's not helpful. Okay, so what now gets in to the child is that fear works. And I have cases where that child, even up to the late 20s, none of this fear, none of this anger comes out until sometimes somewhere, something, just situation now happens. And then this whole... Habit of getting angry to get what I want now comes up, but actually that child has been exposed to this periodic um, getting angry to get my way to get my point across all these you know years, and when the child now becomes a parent, and then it gets triggered, and then it, gets. and that's how it gets passed on from one generation to the next, and when that happens then every time when you get angry, it overrides your ability to think. So again, what you said is it has to be age-appropriate. Okay? and It has to be there with reason and it has to be explained. And once the child is able to reason, then you might want to try and get the reason out there first.
0: So it would also seem that spouses have a big part to play in supporting each other on this journey. Since spouses are the ones who are more likely to see these behavioural patterns and are well placed to identify, intervene and therefore support their spouses and help each other to be good parents or at least as as best as they can be.
1: I think that's such an important um, issue that you've just raised, how spouses talk to each other and discuss things is so crucial. If one side or both sides uses anger to get the point across, that's not helpful. Really. Yeah. So yes, this is you know as adults we should model um, how we can work through our our this you know differences of opinion, right? And that also brings to other important issues like, you know, most arguments is not about what is right. It's about who is right. And why must I be right? Why must you be right? And that again brings to you know, you go back to the histories. Has anybody ever affirmed your ability to fight for yourself? And the answer is no. Then, when you become parent, that's when I want to make my decision and I want to assert that I must be right. And again, the packages baggage is all that comes into play. And I think all that needs to be attended to. Unfortunately, in Asian families, there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of stigma, especially when you are already parents. That's very sad. Um, I hope those of you who are listening to this podcast are listening not just as one spouse but as a couple and so you try and support uh, uh, each other when when you know one side or both sides needs to make some correction and amendments to their to their character and their reactions, their behaviour
0: <laughs> On that note, I must say I have a very simple guiding rule in all these years that has kept me alive and kept my marriage happy and this rule states that she may not always be right but she's never wrong
1: <laughs> yeah well uh many years ago i i, I also like to share you know uh, i think this was like 25 years ago readers digest so they had the small little snippets of, uh, you know, little, little uh, anecdotes here and there. So, in one of these small things, this uh, couple who was um, celebrating there, had something like 55 years of marriage together, or 60 years, it's very long. And everybody in that room, they were all celebrating, and they said, no, tell us, tell us, what is the uh, secret of your long, long, long marriage together? And uh, the couple, you know, they look at each other and um, they said, okay, we'll, we'll share you share with you our secret. Um, and this is something both of them agree with. That's what right? so the husband and the wife, they both agree with. So this is what we have agreed on. And that is when you're wrong, admit it. So that's the first sentence. And when you're right, shut up. <laughs>
0: Absolutely right. Truly words of wisdom. I continue to learn all the time like I've said before, right? I will remember that, Brian. I will remember that very well. Well, thank you once again, Brian, for another very enlightening and fruitful session. Today, Brian shared with us important pointers of how the state of parents can inadvertently and often subconsciously affect the emotional and psychological health of our children and their future families and how these can and should be dealt with as early as possible. We hope parents listening in have benefited much from this, and also very importantly, if you are a couple preparing for marriage or starting a family, I'm sure this would have been very useful too. With that, I would like to thank Brian once again for sharing his wisdom and expertise with us on this aspect of Catholic parenting. And we look forward to the next episode when Brian will be looking at the influences and pressures that society may have on our children, and how we, as parents, can help them face these pressures head-on in their lives. Till we meet again, from all of us here at Catholic Parents Online, take care everyone, stay close to Jesus, Mary and Joseph, and God bless. Goodbye. Bye-bye.